This week in KMA Land, wind turbine and solar energy projects discussed in Mills County. Page County supervisors debate public health budget. Page County Conference Board considers county assessors pay hike. COVID-19 cases continue climbing in KMA Land. And Shenandoah residents mourn Will Leacox's passing. I'm Mike Peterson. Mills County was the site of the latest episode of As the Turbine Turns this week. Officials with MidAmerican Energy unveiled a plan for a proposed wind farm in Mills and Pottawatomie counties that would begin operation in 2024 if approved. During a Mills County Planning and Zoning Commission meeting Tuesday, representatives of MidAmerican outlined plans for a 400-megawatt wind farm that would include up to 142 turbines in rural parts of the two counties north of Silver City. Now, the project is still in the development phase, and no application has been submitted to either county for approval yet. Sarah Houlihan is a senior project developer with MidAmerican who is working on the project of the Silver Creek Wind Farm. Houlihan says while they have a target area for the project, the exact location of turbines has not been finalized. The initial turbine layout is not going to be known until the end of this year into next year. So that's like the number one question I'm getting um, from phone call excuse me, phone calls right now or where are the turbines going and we just don't know yet. We're looking at who decides to participate, looking at all of our studies and our setbacks and from that we'll build the area, the buildable area where turbines can go. Mid-American estimates the project will generate up to $92 million in landowner lease payments over the 40-year life of the farm plus approximately $187 million in property tax payments between the two counties. Officials from the company fielded a number of questions from concerned citizens during the meeting, including those dealing with the profit the company would see from the wind farm. Michael Fair is Senior Vice President of Renewable Generation and Compliance with MidAmerican. He says the company has received a wind energy production tax credit for projects, but that they pass those savings back to their customers. An important thing to note on that production tax credit is that the benefit um, doesn't stay with uh, MidAmerican. It's uh, part of the reason that we have some of the lowest rates in the country. We're able to take that production tax credit, and there's a couple of different mechanisms depending on the wind farm, but that benefit will flow back to our customers, and that's part of the reason that we're able to maintain. Um, again, I think the EEI had us at, what, the 12th or 11th lowest rates in the nation. Under current zoning ordinances in Mills County, wind turbine height is restricted to no more than 80 feet. MidAmerican's current plan calls for heights as tall as 600 feet, which would require a change in zoning ordinances by the Planning and Zoning Commission. Karen Seipold is a Mills County resident who spoke during the meeting. She urged the board to leave the ordinance in place to protect farmland in the county. With the best of intentions of this green project, they're going to destroy a heck of a lot of green in our county. And where are we going to go? We're not going to produce more farm ground. We can produce this kind of stuff, I don't know, with each blink of the wind, literally. I just ask that you maintain our current standards as it is in this county and not allow this project to go forward. County Supervisor Carol Vinton also spoke during the public comment portion of the meeting, saying she's heard firsthand accounts of living near a wind farm. I come from Walnut, and let me tell you, you cannot, you cannot believe of the constant humming noise, the blinking of the lights. You sit out on your patio and it's that constant, and, and it just looks like an alien. Does Walnut like it? They hate it. 
They hate it completely, but it's too late. They were one of the first ones and they had no idea. The presentation Tuesday was only informational in nature as MidAmerican has not yet submitted an application for the project. Once submitted, the Planning Zoning Commission will be asked to consider allowing turbine construction, which would then require a final approval by the Board of Supervisors. In addition to the wind energy project, MidAmerican officials discussed plans for a small solar energy farm in a portion of Mills County between Hastings and Emerson. Sarah Holohan is a senior project developer with MidAmerican who laid out the project specs for the board. We have a potential solar project that we um, have been looking at for a couple years right now. And it's a small project, 50 megawatt solar project. Um, the potential in-year service and service year is 2023, so next year. Holohan says the project would tie into an existing transmission line for Bed American and is currently undergoing study by regional power authorities. So we are in the process right now on the timeline of going through the interconnection study. So this is kind of what gives us the go or no go uh, scenario. So we are working through that study. We expect results in August, and based on the interconnection results, on the uh, economics of the project, that'll let us know whether we can move forward with, with this project or not. Willahan says for this project, MidAmerican is proposing to purchase and maintain ownership of the property that will house the solar panels. No action of the project was taken by the board following the presentation. Page County's Public Health Department's budget came under scrutiny during a series of meetings this week. Page County's Board of Supervisors and Board of Health had a special joint meeting Monday afternoon as the deadline to finalize the department's budget approached. Last week, the supervisors approved the department's preliminary budget, which included a 10% raise for Public Health Administrator Jess Erdman, a 6.5% increase for Tobacco Prevention Coordinator Rhonda Griebert, and the countywide 3% increase for all other staff members. The approved raises for Erdman and Griebert were half of what was recommended by the Board of Health in its budget. Chuck Nordyke is CEO of Clarinda Regional Health Center and chairs the Board of Health. He says the board looked at comparable salaries for public health administrators from around the state and found that Page County is behind. I think that Jess and the entire group of public health are invaluable. I think that the job that they're doing is wonderful. As a hospital administrator, you know, I rely on them considerably. Uh, probably more than most other folks, purely on the data they get, the resources that she makes available to us, and so forth. I know that our medical staff here, and I'm sure in Shenandoah, rely on them for information on, well, like currently the, the COVID situation, but on other things also as resources for our patients and our community. With a 20% increase, Erdman's salary would still be about $17,000 under the statewide average for the position. Dr. Heather Bay, the family physician at Shenandoah Medical Center and another health board member, says trying to replace the position is incredibly difficult. Jess does a ton of work and she's invaluable, in my opinion. Uh, every time we get a new administrator, it takes us at least a year to a year and a half to get them retrained and figure out the ropes. There's just not people waiting out there. I think you guys have had to hire some similar people in your situation or given raises in similar situations because you know that those people are not out there waiting in the wings. And these positions are incredibly hard to Phil, the people that do public health do public health because they love public health and they want to make the community better. Debate over the public health budget continued into Tuesday's regular supervisors meeting. Supervisor Chuck Morris reiterated previous comments that he still can't behind giving Erdman a 20% salary increase. The problem with public health, in my view, is finding an apples to apples. I mean, 
sometimes it's easy to say, okay, here's the duty of a supervisor, but when it comes to public health, so many of them run different operations, home health, uh, what have you. Some of them have um, children's services that we don't have. Some of them have assistant administrators. It's just all over the board. Supervisor Jacob Holmes questioned the need for that large of an increase after a 9% raise for fiscal year 2022. Additionally, overtime pay discussions continued. In Monday's joint meeting, Holmes stated Erdman received nearly $25,000 in overtime pay in the last fiscal year. On Tuesday, however, he attempted to clarify that Erdman would be an overtime pay exempt employee moving forward. The board felt that she was not exempt. And, and that has always been hired that way. According to the, what I read today, when we looked up, there's three criteria met, and we, even legal counsel went along with all three criteria are met that she is an exempt employee, unless there's some special act. Ultimately, the board decided to leave the current public health budget as is and held no discussions on a potential secondary negotiated salary increase between the original approval and the Board of Health recommendations. Page County's assessor, meanwhile, could see a roughly 7.3% bump in pay following this week's Page County Conference Board meeting. Board members discussed several items at Monday's meeting, including the county assessor's fiscal year 2023 budget. Board of Supervisors Chair Alan Armstrong told KMA News most notable was the 13.7% raise that Assessor Jason Renander had proposed for himself in the upcoming fiscal year. Armstrong says Renander attempted to make a case for the most significant raise in the county for the upcoming fiscal year. A 13.7% ask comes after Renander asked for an 8.6% increase for the 2022 budget, which the board reduced to 4%. Another uptick in COVID-19 cases was reported in Page County this week. Page County Public Health reported 46 new cases on Monday, followed by another 13 on Wednesday. Officials also reported the death of an older adult between the ages of 61 and 80, bringing the county's COVID-19 death toll to 41. As of late this week, Page County's 14-day positivity rate stood at 18.5%. Of the county's vaccination rate, rose slightly to 55.8%. Mills County is among those in KMA land experiencing a recent hike in COVID-19 cases. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning, Mills County Public Health Administrator Julie Lyons said the county's positivity rates have skyrocketed in recent weeks. About a week ago, our seven-day positivity rate was 41%, and that was about as high as it's been for us. Today, it's at 27%, which is still high, but hopefully we've peaked and we're on our way back down. Lyons says the county also echoes the Centers for Disease Control's recent reports that Omicron is the overwhelming variant of concern in the United States, with a prevalence rate of about 98% in all regions of the country. She says Omicron has spread fast throughout the county and is evenly distributed between age groups. It's highly infectious, and we've seen a spike of cases in our school system. We've had a complete uptick on the number of requests for at-home testing. Um, people are calling into public health, you know, reporting those symptoms and concerns. So, you know, what we're seeing is it, it, it hits kind of fast and furious and um, spreads very easily. At the same time, Lyons says the county is making progress with COVID vaccinations. As of Monday, 74% of the county's population over 18 have had one dose, while 64% are considered fully vaccinated. We know that that's, you know, our number one tool in 
containing COVID and the variants that seem to just keep coming out. So I'm very pleased with our vaccination rates, and I hope that they can continue. Lyons adds the vaccine is still readily available in Mills County. We have Moderna and J&J here at Mills County. Uh, we're happy to give those vaccines pretty much on demand. It's also available at Kohl's in Malvern and the Hy-Vee Pharmacy here in Glenwood, as well as our health care providers. So we continue to really strongly encourage individuals to, to get the vaccine, you know, so we can get on top of this better. Additionally, Lyons says the county currently has an ample supply of testing kits. More information on COVID-19 vaccinations and testing is available from Mills County Public Health at 712-527-9699. Shenandoah residents mourn the passing of another local music legend this week. Sister Golden Hair, just one of the many hit records of the legendary rock group America. Drumming in the background on that song and many other classic tunes was William Robert Will Leacox. Will Leacox died this week at his home in Stockton, California at the age of 74. Leacox drummed for America for 41 years. A 1965 Shenandoah High School graduate, Leacox honed his music skills, playing for many local rock groups. One such group was called the Green Giants, who released this 1964 single, Pity Me. Well, I used to love you, girl, but I know now that you'll be gone. KMA News interviewed Lee Cox on the occasion of America's induction into the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2012. In that interview, Lee Cox credited his family and Shenandoah roots with influencing his musical career. My dad was a drummer, my uncle was a drummer, my older cousin was a drummer, and so I kind of started learning from them, and um, then I went through the music uh, school system here, uh, I mean, rather in Shenandoah, with Doc Creighton, who was an amazing guy, and then by that time, I had been playing, oh, I can't even count, probably 10 different bands through high school, and uh, then, of course, I went to Washburn to Music College, and um, that was that. It was a very good place to learn how to play in Shenandoah for some reason. It's a very musical town. That may have had some influence. Three years after graduating from Washburn University, Lee Cox replaced David Atwood as America's drummer in 1973. Lee Cox recalled in that KMA interview that luck played a big factor in landing the drumming job of a lifetime. Well, after college, I found my way to the West Coast and started uh, freelancing around L.A. and playing the club circuit and then a bunch of uh, recording sessions during the day, sometimes at night as well, and met an actor playing drums on his um, recording and... Um, he knew that America was looking for a drummer, so I set up an audition and got lucky, got the gig. Lee Cox remained with the group until his retirement in 2014. He was asked whether there was any secret to the band's longevity. I'm not sure if we know, but uh, we love what we do, and we're like a family. And um, so we're just going to keep on as, until we can't. One of KMA Land's foremost music supporters was among those reacting to Lee Cox's passing. Bill Hillman is owner of Shenandoah's Depot Restaurant and, like Leacox, a member of the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hillman told KMA News Leacox is remembered as a performer for his longevity. Again, Leacox was America's drummer for more than four decades. It's unbelievable how uh, America had the same people in their band for all those years, 50 years. They, they had the same basic members that played uh, over 200 shows a year uh, all over the world. 
and kept the same people, you know, until Willie retired here the past few years. It was all the same original people. So as a performer, it's almost uh, unheard of. Hillman says Lee Cox was also a great person from a great family. The Lee Cox family is one of the most important families from Shenandoah. They go clear back. John was a great drummer himself. His brother Jim is a great musician and just a fantastic family. While touring around the country and the world, Hillman says Lee Cox always found time to return home to visit family members. He says Lee Cox was proud of his hometown. When you do over 200 shows a year, you're basically on the road all the time. So, so really the only home he had was Shenandoah besides, you know, of course he had a house in California. In addition to the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction in 2006, Leacock was enshrined to Shenandoah's Iowa Walk of Fame three years later. Hackett Livingston Funeral Home released a statement Wednesday indicating Leacock will be missed by his brother Jim Leacock's sister Janie Castillo, their spouses plus his nieces and nephews, as well as his California friends and, quote, his many friends and fans around the world. Memorial services were pending at the Hackett Livingston Funeral Home. Memorials can be sent to the Leacox Family Music Education Scholarship in care of the Washburn University Alumni Association and Foundation and the Greater Shenandoah Historical Society. The search for a new Clarinda school superintendent began in earnest this week. By a 4-1 to vote at a special meeting Wednesday afternoon, the Clarinda School Board selected Grunmeyer Leader Services from among three firms to assist the district in selecting a successor to Chris Bergman. Board members approved Bergman's resignation last week, effective at the end of the school year. Grunmeyer was selected following Zoom interviews with representatives of all three firms, including Edwise and McPherson and Jacob. While saying all three firms gave excellent presentations, Board President Darren Sunderman told KMA News certain factors weighed in Grunmeyer's favor. I think a lot of things I heard from the board were about the process that they outlined that they would use. Uh, it seems to be very detailed, very, I guess you'd say, organized and streamlined. They have a lot of different screening tools that maybe some of the other firms didn't talk about as much. Grenmeyer seems to be very focused on the stakeholder survey and input from, you know, all kinds of stakeholders, from community to staff to students, not just from the board. Board member Paul Boyson cast a lone dissenting vote. Sunderman says Boyson favored McPherson and Jacobson. Two of the firms have been involved in previous Clarinda superintendent searches. Edwise helped the board select Bergman in 2019. Well, Grunmeyer assisted in the search for her predecessor, Darren Stender, in 2016. Despite this, Sunderman's previous histories had no bearing in the board's decision on Grunmeyer. With a firm in place, Sunderman says preliminary work is expected to begin next week. Sunderman says the board expects to hold interviews with finalists around late March or early April, and he says the board should have an ample amount of candidates to choose from. The maximum payment to Grunmeyer is estimated at $11,800. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. For more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.